0: All right, everyone, welcome to Strictly Sports. I'm Jacob Brown, Joining here with CJ Urey and Steve Cashin. We got the Super Bowl to talk about. It's been a few weeks. We've been doing other pods. We just uh, attached to this pod, actually. We have the Mitch Hardikin interview, and we also have it posted on our Strictly Baseball, along with our FAU Baseball season preview. Their season starts this weekend. I'll be on the call on FAU Owl Radio uh, with Chris Trapp on Saturday and with um, Mark Papaleo, who I host Strictly Yankees with. We're going to do that game on Sunday. Steve Casham will come down later in the season and call games with us. Uh, but that's uh, how we're going to start the season. So, uh, Steve, uh, we're th- this is your pod today, dude. I mean, this is your celebration pod. The Bucks won.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of off my high now, but it's still. I still got Bucks shit all over my room. But yeah, I was like drunk for like I swear to God, like ten days straight. Uh, from the lead up to the Super Bowl, I was like a nervous wreck. And then, me and Top Gun. Uh, no one knows who that is besides CJ. But <laughs> my friend, in the Air, my friend, in the Air Force. He was like, all right, I took the week off after the Super Bowl. We win. We go out every night. We lose. We drink our sorrows away at the bar. I'm like, all right, well, we win either way. Super Bowl Sunday happens. We literally finished the whole keg by the third quarter. End of the third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever. Throwing that shit around. They win. After that, I think I went out. I went out from literally Sunday to Sunday, and now I'm, like, recovering. And it's, it, was, it was a whirlwind. I, I really didn't think they were going to win. Uh, I mean, did I think they were going to win the Super Bowl when they were in it? Yeah, I thought they could be Chiefs. But, like, from week one, if you were telling me the Bucs were going to be at home playing for the Super Bowl, like, you're nuts. Like, really, year one. But, you know, fortunate that it happened, and it's exciting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just thankful Tom Brady came in and did his job and, you know, got to witness the Super Bowl. So, you know, couldn't be happier.
2: Yeah, uh, congratulations to your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I definitely was not a believer. Uh, I would say towards the end of the season, once things started clicking a little bit more, I think it was really when when the, when the Bucs were like, yo, we keep fucking around and, and hoping that we win. We're not going to. Uh, I think it was the Chiefs game felt like really snapped them into gear. Was that where it was, where it was like, okay, look, if we're going to play the, the top dogs, we can't be playing like this anymore. And they picked it up, props to them. They went through a pretty, pretty rough uh, Super Bowl path. I mean, they had to play Breeze, uh, Rodgers, um, and then they had to play Mahomes, all for a ring. I mean, and that Washington football team game wasn't easy either. That was an unbelievable defense that they had to play, and they had to go on the road for it. So props to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I wasn't a believer. I was proved wrong. Thought Aaron Rodgers was going to beat them uh i'm not gonna lie i did take them in the saints game i did feel like they were gonna beat the saints i was not at all a fan of the saints offense i felt like the bucks would eat and they did uh but i did feel like the packers were gonna humble them and go on to the super bowl but the bucks did congrats to the bucks the chiefs have a lot of questions on their o-line and a lot on their d-line because they're not beating anybody going forward uh with with that kind of performance but props to the bucks they deserved it and tom brady i will i fully respect because he's out of of New England, I don't hate him anymore.
0: Yeah, I actually feel the same way with not hating him anymore. He's actually kind of likable in Tampa. He's kind of loose, uh, and after that video, seeing him drunk, you know, I, I'm starting to call him Drunk Uncle Tom. He's kind of just uh, free willing now and uh, very loose and and free in Tampa. So it's uh, it's good to see. But I want to be open with it. I mean, I was completely right all the way through. I mean, I don't get to boast a lot about my picks. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not that great, you know, with prediction that that's my, my, I mean, maybe I should be better with predictions cause uh, it's kind of my job, but I was pretty happy that I, I picked him all the way through. I trusted in Tom. I mean, it was really, it was more just like an energy feel like he, you just went into these games and you could tell body language wise that, you know, Tom Brady was on that field. He's like, we're just going to win this game. And you could, you could tell just the defense was always confident. They were always structured incredibly well. Every game that they played, they played a perfect game in almost every area. They were buttoned up. They didn't take a lot of flags. You could tell the team was serious. You could tell they were committed. And uh, that's why I went with them all the way through. And and that's what had them win the Super Bowl the way they did. It wasn't even a close game. It was a blowout. I mean, none of us expected a blowout. When I predicted them on that pod, I said, yeah. You know, I think we'll see a uh, you know a close game either way, but I think the Bucks will win. I didn't see the score being like that, nobody did, and it was a great game. So, uh th- the thing I want to end though is this. Number 1, if anyone says that Tom Brady isn't the goat, get out. Number 2, I don't want to hear it about Mahomes, uh, you know, these Mahomes stick-up people who are in there like, "Oh, you know, the loss wasn't Mahomes' fault. Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league. Oh, Mahomes is this. He's so special." It's like how about we just admit that the guy was running for his life and he couldn't complete the passes that he usually completed? Did he have a beat up O-line? Yes. That doesn't excuse him going from otherworldly to mediocre at best. And he did this, and let's think about it this way, too. Last year during the Super Bowl against San Francisco, he played like that until the fourth quarter. So I, uh, you know, Super Bowls for Mahomes are not like even AFC championships and before for him. So I don't want to hear people being like, and, and I, I was even shut up. I kept calling the the best quarterback in the league, but that game proved to me, if there's anything that's against him heavily, he's going to struggle. And in that game, it was, he didn't have the normal offensive line to protect him. And he had a, a pass rush in the Bucks that was lethal and he couldn't combat against it. I, I read a tweet from Bucky Brooks. Who's a really, uh, he's kind of like a static stat guy in the NFL. He breaks down plays. He was saying that the, the Bucks were basically taking away the deep passes from the chiefs. Mahomes couldn't adjust. You're telling me he couldn't just start doing short routes or they couldn't have mixed up the playbook. you you know, th- that, that comes into play too. So Mahomes, he has a long career to do it. I'm not saying this guy's career is over. He's still, I mean, probably the most talented quarterback in the league, but let's not call him the goat or call him better than Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the goat and a story.
2: Yeah. I mean, Here's the thing, Mahomes, Mahomes made a couple crazy throws, and I'm not gonna lie, his receivers let him down. But you yeah, they understand. did. They, the O line took totally laid an egg that game, and they had two they had two key pieces out that game because of COVID. But regardless, I was so surprised that there wasn't more of a like. It's just the Chiefs didn't get in the end zone. <laughs> yeah, the Chiefs, the Chiefs didn't get in the end zone. That's nuts. And like, I like, I want, like, I know that the the narrative is always gonna be, oh my god, Tom Brady. Oh my God. Yep. Brady is just, he, he he's amazing. He's 43. He's winning rings. Mahomes is never going to beat him in the playoffs. Mahomes is 0-2 against Brady. Blah, 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 blah. list goes on. I'm sorry, but the MVP, if they're like, if I could give like 12 or 11 MVPs out, it would be a ring to every single defensive starter, uh, an MVP, an MVP trophy or, or ring, whatever, because Holy cow. They're, I'm telling you in Mahomes' career, I don't think it will happen again. That he does not score a touchdown in a game, that he starts and plays for all four quarters. I, his Chiefs, his offense will always score a touchdown. Unreal performance, truly amazing. If people like defense and people, you know, older people are like, "Yo, I love defense. I love a defense." That was a all-time top ten Super Bowl defense performance.
0: Uh, they're, yeah, they're, hey, they're that, not that good, man. They they only have one Pro Bowler.
1: Yeah, the Pro Bowl. I was like that. Uh, I, I watched that highlight reel probably now about 30 times since the games happened. And to the the fact that they didn't score a touchdown to me was like unreal. Like I was like, how, how did that not happen? But I mean, I think Devin white was the MVP that game. I mean, he was just flying all over the place. Uh, I mean, everyone, you know, everyone did their part. I mean, Levante, David, Devin white, uh, Antoine Winfield missed the NFC championship game comes back. And I mean, to have Mahomes running around for his life, uh, you know, in a, the whole entire game and putting him on his back. I mean, uh, no one really does that to him. And uh, I also the throw he made where he was literally on his side, like almost levitating off the ground and he still has the arm strength to get to the end zone and it goes to the receiver's hands, hits him off the face, the helmet. I mean, that ball has got to be caught. If that was, if that ball is caught at the touchdown and probably one of the greatest throws I think you'll ever see, but um, I don't know. I think the Bucks defense really stepped up the challenge and uh, you know, made the Chiefs look like, you know, not the Chiefs we've seen the last two years, but uh, I mean, great performance. And I mean, I couldn't say enough. i been mean, going for days about the Bucs defense and the, the team, but uh, you know, the fact that they got it done, I'm more than happy and, you know, got the job
0: done. And we're crediting that defense, but at the same time, Todd Bowles is the one who runs it. He did an unbelievable job as well.
2: Hey, by the way, um, some report just came out that said Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, uh, drink tequila with each other during during their games during the broadcast i'm sorry but if anybody has a problem with that and gets offended you're you just really need to look in the mirror who cares <laughs> just just who cares if they have a shot of tequila and they're like yo we're calling up we're calling a football game we're having some tequila it's not like yeah the, the 90 000 people in the stadium don't drink a beer while they watch the game like, yeah,
1: yeah, if I you ever look yeah. up, if you ever look up, uh, like old footage of Harry Carey, he was the old Cubs play-by-play guy uh, <laughs> on on TV. That guy was buckled every time he was fucking announcing. He's like, "Hey, look at the fans there! I'm gonna grab myself a cold Budweiser." I'm like, this guy's ripped, and then Joe Buck and them are having like a one glass of tequila, like really. And I've never noticed anything wrong with them. I mean, that's fine. I like they're ripping sigs and
0: pounding beers. I mean, that's I, just it's ridiculous. that's the main thing like if you don't notice it's not a problem
2: yeah exactly it's not like they're up there like like drinking the entire bottle they're just having a drink here they're probably loosens them up when you have millions of people watching you you might need to have a couple drinks in you to get a little loose you know and i don't really blame anybody for it now am i sitting here saying that i am endorsing people people drinking on the job while i'm watching the football game i'm not endorsing (laughs) it i just don't care (laughs) their business is not my business i don't care i watch the game for the players i don't watch it for the commentary
0: Exactly. Hey, yeah. Well, no, no one's saying that we're not drinking on this show, you know. I'll, hey, I'll be 21 in a few weeks. We'll see. Yeah, we'll when see. When do you kid. turn 21? Mardi Gras. We'll see, you, Jacob. March 17th. Yeah, uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day.
2: Uh, it's, there. it's
1: what a day, no, no, right? man. Mardi Gras. I'm fucking stupid. I'm like, I <laughs> can stop drinking. My brain's been mashed potatoes after this bender <laughs> yeah. I've been on. I can barely spell and speak.
2: Been on a Tampa bender for like a year now with the, the lightning the raid and the bucks. Holy shit.
1: Rays let me down, but that's all right. Tampa Trifecta was that cost.
0: Yeah, if I ever have to hear someone say Tampa Trifecta again, I'm gonna shoot myself. But anyway, uh, so we got the uh so there was a trade that went down today. Uh Philadelphia agreed to trade Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick. That could turn into a first. First of all, I know, you know, we're all in the chat with Adiel. Uh, You know, him and I have been going back and forth about Carson Wentz for like a year and a half about, you know, whether he's good or not. I still think Carson Wentz is legit. I think, listen, I I called this, first of all, I called this right when the Colts rumors came out. Excuse excuse me, the uh, the Wentz rumors came out. I tweeted out and said, Colts are a perfect fit. The last time that Wentz was effective was with uh, Frank Reich. That was his offensive coordinator in philadelphia i felt like it would be a perfect match that's exactly what happened and colin coward said the same thing on his show today he said literally what i just said he's like now you get carson in that comfortable environment with a coach that he trusts it makes a lot of sense and here's the big thing with indianapolis he's going to have support they were first of all they were 11 and 5 with philip rivers in his final season Phillip can't air the ball out anymore. Phillip can't run. He can't really move. And they were still 11 and five. Their offensive line is top three. They've got three running backs with Taylor Mack and Hines. Wouldn't be shocked if they traded one of them. And then they got Pittman and and, and T.Y. Hilton. They've got three tight ends. Their linebacking core with Leonard. One of the best linebacking cores in the NFL with DeForest Buckner out there. They've got a great secondary. Uh, This Colts team with Carson Wentz, I think they're division favorites
1: uh yeah CJ you can take it away
2: yeah uh I would say so uh well the Titans are good Titans are really good but look they're they're I I think that with the odds actually no they're not sorry Wentz was so bad last year that he needs to prove himself for any favoritism to be out there I like this whole narrative that Wentz is somehow like unbelievably good now it's so false he was awful with the Eagles like genuinely so bad so i'm not going to sit here and just forget all of it because he's done the colts now he has to prove himself do i think it's going to work yeah i think it's going to work but he's got to prove himself so the titans are still the favorite in that division colts will probably be a playoff team but Wentz has to put it together there's a lot of pressure on him now can't blame the o-line anymore you can't blame the coaching staff. you can't blame ownership can't blame anyone not even the fans anymore because the eagles fans suck they're all <laughs> awful but the colts the, the colts are just an entirely different organization they're very well ran there's not going to be any, you can't blame anyone no injuries unless he actually has one but you can't blame anybody anything else on that it's you go in there you go to work you get the team to the playoffs and you look you, you look good doing it and then you've rewritten a lot of things but that's all I got to say about that
0: all right so before we go i know you two have a little bit of a panthers lightning beef to hash out uh, on the pod dude I, no
2: beef there, there's 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 no beef there's 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 none no it's just
1: it's good. just some it's just some slander when when Shapiro has no idea about anything about hockey, and he starts running his mouth about the Lightning. Yeah, you better watch himself. But no, I mean the the Panthers took two out of three. Uh, first game, Lightning sleepwalk, get our face kicked in in the, in the second period. Second game, Lightning, you know six one, and the third game, McIlhenny can't stop a beach ball. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a back and forth series. I mean, all all eight, eight more. We have what. Five more matchups before the playoffs. And yeah, they're going to be the two teams. This is my prediction. It's going to be the Lightning and Panthers to go to the the conference final. And so that's going to be like 17 matchups probably before the season's said and done. So, I mean, it's going to be.
2: Well, well, like you're saying, you're saying the road to the conference finals is going to be a Panthers and Lightning series is what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be Lightning and Panthers. The winner of that's going to the conference final.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, uh, I think the Lightning are still the best roster in the league. And when they put it all together, I think that they're probably the best team in the league. I like the Bruins a lot. The Bruins are good, but they're good every year. We know this. I still think the lightning are the number one team in the league. Bruins are right behind them. Uh, the Maple Leafs look good, but I'm never going to give them the credit that like a top five team should deserve because they're playing in the crappy can- Canadian division where every team gives up six goals to you. <laughs> uh, you know, look, I've been waiting for a Panther team like this. that has no nonsense. They hit, they fight for each other. There's a coach that will pull your $10 million goalie and sit his ass on the bench if he's not playing well, and he'll play the backup who's making a literal fraction of the money that he's making. I love it. I think there's competition in the team. I think you have four lines rolling. Uh, like Cash, Cash saw when when the Panthers were playing the Lightning, he had line three scoring goals. Like this is, we haven't had this and since their cup run in like 97, a team that was rolling four lines could put out defensemen and not be freaked out and have a coach that had, you know, a winning mentality. So, look, it's brewing there in Florida, and I think finally ESPN – NHL, like people are actually realizing that there have been two superstars in Florida and Huberto and Barkov that are legitimate starters and line one players on basically virtually every single team in, in the league, Uh save for like, you know, two or three of them that have like Ovechkin and Stamkos and y- you know what I mean? So it's all. Yeah. There. And, and
0: Zabanajad, you know, four yeah. points this year. I'm telling I you. Was that
2: wa- uh, Lafreniere, Lafreniere, Lafrenier,
0: Hey, that
2: guy's buns bro what's he doing there like
0: i i've renounced the where's rangers Kako,
2: Kako? Who, where's cracko where's...
0: Uh, hey he, hey he's playing on the second line he's using his he body more him. but nothing no no goals they don't score i'm done dude troop is out it? four six weeks be...
2: They said he was Barkov. To he that, that 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 was his pro comparison, a guy that was moving around like in between the lines, puck position player. Fiji you, put you on a platter. I haven't seen it yet, but I will no. say it's all there. It's all there for the Rangers. I mean, the prospects going forward. It took it took Huberto a couple years. That's I what know. I was gonna
0: say. I literally I say your point on my show all the time, strictly Rangers. I'm like CJ told me, you know, the guys on the Florida Panthers they took three four years. Kako's twenty and is nineteen. So yeah. like these are like kids.
2: The only difference is that Huberdeau won the Calder. Huberdeau's out here oh, fucking wheeling. Hubert won the Calder his rookie year. He 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 was Rookie of the Year. So was Eckblad. People. Uh,
0: yeah, no, Lafreniere ain't doing that. That's not happening.
2: Well, look, dude, it's it's what well, I guess. Here's my advice to you: These guys are never they're, they're not going to hit the Ovechkin numbers, the Huberdeau numbers, the, Mc, the the McDavid numbers until they beef up. You got to understand that these guys are coming in the league from from other countries. unless there's some beefy kid that can immediately get up get out there skate fast they're going to get beaten out there people don't realize how physical of a game it is and if you look at huberto's uh interview yesterday look at how much he's bulked up since his rookie year like the guy's got cannons on his arms now because that's the only way that you're going to shed pucks that you're going to you're going to shed off bodies and whatnot so it just takes a while it takes weight age all that and it'll come the rangers have all the pieces Uh, just build the back end let the offense explode it'll happen
0: yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So, and now here's our interview with Mitch Hardigan. All right, guys. So we're on here with FAU outfielder uh, and pitcher Mitch Hardigan here on uh, Strictly Baseball and Strictly Sports. Uh, first of all, thank you for coming on, Mitch. And uh, how you doing?
3: Thanks for having me. I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, no. And, uh, well, baseball season's coming up, man. We're it's uh, what day is it? it's Thursday, so we got baseball coming. Tomorrow night, you guys will be in Orlando to face UCF. Have you guys uh, started travel yet? Uh, what's been going on this week in the lead up?
3: Uh, no, it's, I mean, it's a bit of a different uh, approach this year because we've never done something like this where we go to UCF for one game and then they come back here for two. So we don't we don't leave for uh, Orlando till like 1030 tomorrow and we bus up there and then play and then bus back.
0: Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it's all the, the COVID stuff. They're being precautious and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, so uh, I was wondering, so we were talking earlier before you came on uh, about the starting pitching for you guys. So uh, who, I don't know if you can tell us, but, like, who's the, you know, the one, two, three guys for you guys last year? We knew, uh, you know, Josie was one of your guys. So who's the, who's y'all's number one going into the season?
3: Uh, yeah, Josie will still be our number one. I actually live with him. He's in the other room over here, but uh, gotcha. he'll be our number one. He'll be starting tomorrow, uh, and then our Saturday guy is a new guy who just is a JUCO transfer from uh, Indian River. His name is Javi Rivera. He, he's he got the heat. He, he gets up to, like, 95, 96, Geesh. and then our Sunday, as of now, is uh, Matt Sparling, who's a lefty that also gets up to, like, 93, 94, and then once the once conference play starts, we'll have to add another another starter because we'll be doing uh, double headers on Saturday. Awesome,
0: that's interesting. So you, uh, it's definitely a good pitching staff. I mean, uh, you guys got it through last year, but uh, the question I've had for you, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it. You know, you you play left field, you you know, you hit three hundred, you hit home runs, and you also close. I mean, how do you balance all that? You know, you got to worry about defense. You got to worry about your at bats, and then you got to worry about getting three outs.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it's mostly just worrying about my my at bats in the outfield. It's not too much uh, too much worried about the defense. <clears throat> just don't let it get behind you. But uh, honestly, pitching kind of takes my mind off of everything else. Like it's more, if you ask me, hitting it's not harder but it's like just more thought process and like a little bit harder on the mind because I mean you a good hitter gets on three out of ten times so and a good pitcher is supposed to get get you out like eight out of ten times so I mean it's just the success level makes it a little bit uh easier on the mind to me so it kind of takes off my takes my mind off of like a bad day hitting
0: no, that's interesting. I mean, you know, you're you, you never really think about it that way. You know, as a fan sitting out here, you know, you're I mean, you're thinking of it as like a numbers game almost.
3: Yeah, yeah I'm a big numbers guy. So.
0: So you you pitch and you
2: in, and uh, play in the field. Would you say that your skill and your experience pitching uh, plays a big factor in your at bats?
3: Um, I, I'd say so. Yeah. Uh, hitting, there's only so much thinking you can do, uh, even as a pitcher that like, I also pitch you don't want to overthink anything, like just try to guess what they're going to come at you with or what you would come at yourself with. But, uh, it's more just like get in there, see ball, hit ball, but it definitely, definitely helps at some points. If you, you know, that the pitcher mindset is like, a uh, hitter gets themselves out more times than anything. So you just kind of have to just pound the zone and uh, do your thing. Don't try to nibble on corners too much. And honestly, three out of 10 times or seven out of 10 times, they'll just end up getting themselves out.
2: For sure. Yeah, I always wondered about that. Like, uh, Guys in college who pitch and play in the outfield when they're at bats, I I always kind of like I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but I love watching college baseball, and especially when FAU's playing, I try to go to as many games as possible. Yeah. And I always wonder about uh, what the advantage that you guys have that you know you pitch, you you see things probably a little differently than than just the guy who plays first base and doesn't really you know pitch yeah. as much. Mm-hmm. For sure.
1: Yeah. So uh, real quick, uh, you know. Being a part of that 2019 run, y'all finished, you know, with 41 wins, you know, a team that kind of, y'all seem to be like overlooked, you know, year in and year out, you know, even though y'all are winning 40 games, you know, consistently, you know, you know, coach McCormick seems to have y'all in the right mindset every year, you know, getting put in that Athens regional with Florida State, Georgia, you know, kind of going through the gauntlet there, you know, getting bounced early. And then last year going up against Texas Tech, Florida State, Florida, I mean, how do y'all stay ready? And, like, what's the the mindset like going up against these, you know, top ten teams and, you know, thinking, you know, we're going to grab a win here and, you know, we're going to show people that, you know, we're for real and we belong here.
3: Yeah, I mean, you got to just kind of treat it like any other game. Uh, we're lucky enough to be, like, in Florida. So, we'll play Miami three times a year. They'll be top ten most of the time. Um, we'll play UF at least once a year. We'll go up there and – that 2019 year, we actually won the game up at UF. So, I mean, it's just, you got to try to not make too big of a deal of it. Uh, Last year, I feel like that's kind of what we did badly at uh, at FSU. It was just kind of a different atmosphere. Um, We kind of, I don't know if we psyched ourselves out or anything, but that was definitely the best pitching uh, we faced all year. And, Texas tech had some absolute dudes. So, uh, I don't know. We just kind of have to make sure we just treat it like any other game and just do our thing. Cause we've proven that we could hang with these teams time and time again.
0: So, uh, so who's the guy in the, in the clubhouse that's, uh, that's mainly the leader, you know, when you're going into those big road trips, who's the guy that's uh, given the speech or, or kind of the prominent voice in there?
2: Yeah, and who's the clown too? We want to know who the clown is, and then also if you could tell us who, who's uh, who's the guy who's picking up the chicks on the on the first baseline too. All those girls that are sitting there because I go to a lot of games. I'm like, damn, this is a prime spot here. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, I mean, we got three
3: captains this year. Uh, my roommate Nick, my other roommate uh, Jared DeSantelo, and then our uh, most senior pitcher Dio. They're kind of the guys. that are just—I uh, don't know if they'd be the ones hyping us up, but they'll—they'll they'll definitely take the voice of reason role and just kind of keep us centered before the games uh, and get us on the right track. When we're when we're looking for a a, a hype uh, speech, we go to our our new guy, Daniel Tomasello, actually, because that dude is just a bundle of energy. <laughs> And every, every time we go, he'll, he'll probably lead the speech tomorrow, honestly, but he just, he gets into it. So, and Sorry. sheesh, as for the guy that picks up the chicks, huh? I don't know. We got a lot of our teams wiped up right now.
1: Oof. Jeez. Yeah. Tough look.
2: <laughs> yeah. At our Radio, our guy who picks up all the chicks is Steve. So we definitely want to, to put him up against whoever, whoever your guy is. I'll,
3: I'll have to get back to you on that one. I don't know. We got, we got a few guys Ask the chat. here and
0: there. Uh, so we, Steve and I were calling a bunch of games last year, and we were watching uh, Mikey and Tenza pitch. And we were sitting up there. Basically, every time he pitched, we had a different theory as to what that pitch is do you are you even allowed to say what it is or or what do you think it is that that wipeout slider or whatever the hell it is
3: I mean it's it's just a slider I don't know what (laughs) I don't know what he does with it (laughs) but I faced him actually recently in our one one of our inner squads I think it was on Saturday but it's just it's crazy I, I don't I don't know how he does it like the pitch just falls off the table half the time sometimes it just like breaks just enough to get a strike call and I, I don't I don't understand it the physics behind it don't make sense to me but it works so
1: <laughs> yeah like the first time we were I, we called the game of the season and he comes in and I, I see him throw that we were I think we called three games in a row and I'm like what the hell is he throwing it looks like a slider I'm gonna go with that and then I ran to Wenstrom and I asked him the same thing. He was like, we just don't really know. It just moves a certain ways. And I've seen so many guys throw. I pitched in high school and it's like how he gets to move that way. It's a put out pitch for him. And it's, I don't know, it's just bread and butter, but it's, if he keeps throwing it that way, I mean, makes yeah. him successful. So it's awesome. It
3: doesn't make any sense to us. Cause like last fall in my sophomore year in fall, he was just kind of there. Like it wasn't, he was always a good pitcher. I've grown up, like I've grown up in the same area as him, but. It just, as soon as we got to spring and spring inter-squads, that pitch just became 10 times better and just wiped out everybody. All of our hitters, all of the other team's hitters, I don't know what happened with it, but it works.
2: Yeah, these guys are uh, analyzing from um, from under that tent, and I'm just sitting to the side of them, just like jarring with all the UM fans and just yelling at them yeah. to go back to Miami because <laughs> they're a bunch of losers. Um, yeah, no. We, I, I genuinely like sitting back there with them like behind the plate. It's, it's, it's so awesome. It, it, it yeah. gives me like a bit more of like an intimate look at, um, you know, baseball in the game. And uh, I was going to ask you, what's it like playing for Coach McCormick? Uh, he seems like such a great guy who is constantly on Twitter hyping up FAU, even if it's not baseball, whether it's new buildings going up, uh, you know, greek life that's done something cool or the football team whatever it is uh, yeah. he's like a guy that just lives and dies by fau and he's it's infectious throughout you know people who really like fau athletics so what's it like you know learning from him every day i mean honestly it's just it's great
3: uh i couldn't ask for a better better head coach or better coaching staff in general honestly um a lot of those guys that coach the the big programs you you kind of get like the vibe that they're a little like stricter or kind of just standoffish and he's not like that he'll he'll joke with you he's very sarcastic on the field like if you make a bad throw he'll just he'll joke with you and it'll be kind of a a backhand comment but you know it's from the right place and he he knows his stuff uh it's it's just a lot of fun he definitely lives and breathes FAU and it it infects all the teammates with it too. And then all of our other coaches are amazing too.
2: Awesome.
0: So, so so what's the better feeling? Uh, Is it making a dive and catch, hitting a home run, or getting the final out of a game?
3: Uh, Hitting a home run for me, definitely. (laughs) It's, I'm, I, I prefer hitting over pitching. I've told many people that, but getting the final out in the game is pretty cool, especially if it's a close game. Like I got two saves last year and those felt pretty good. So, but a home run, there's nothing better than it. I remember last year to not to go off on a tangent, but uh, we played, I think it was Binghamton. It might've been Delaware, but um, we had bases loaded with two outs and the pitcher got out of it by striking somebody out and he hit one of these after he got off the field and we were all pissed and I and it was really bad. Cause he literally loaded the bases right before. So I went up the next inning with the worst mindset I've ever gone up to an at-bat with. I was like, literally just trying to hit home run. And just so I could do it to him. And I got like, Oh, two right away. I was swinging out of my shoes and then he placed like a meatball right down the middle. And that's where I got my only home run of the year. And I I was able to hit it on the way out, and it was the best feeling.
2: <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. Yeah, no, it was. You should have looked at him and just did a right. You know, yeah, I, you a I looked day. at his catcher,
3: looked him right in the eye, and went like that. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah.
0: No, that's the best. Ba- yeah. I mean, that's those are the things in baseball that you don't get in any other sport. You know, other sports you're allowed to you know celebrate on the field. In baseball, it's like if you do one thing that pisses off the other team, gets a whole team riled up. <laughs>
2: Um, uh, so question, so FAU sent, you know, a pretty decent amount of guys to the, to the majors, whether they've only played in the minors, not gotten all the way through, or guys that have gotten all the way through, um, do guys like that come back and, uh, talk with the program, give back and, and, you know, see you guys before the season and, and whatnot, do they engage a lot with the program? Uh, cause I know that for the most part, MLB's off season is still going on, like as your season is starting.
3: Oh yeah, no, absolutely. They're they're always they always come back around. Uh, we get speeches from former FAU players that have that have gone pro all the way. Um, especially the guys that are like just got drafted a few years ago. Like for my freshman year, we've got Pedro. Um, we've got like Mike Ruff. Sandy's back as our ops guy now, but they're they're always around. Uh, they just love the atmosphere here and they still have friends on the team, obviously, but they're always around just being generous. Tyler Frank's here all the time too. So yeah, no, it's, they, they can't get enough of FAU baseball. It's, it's a unique uh, culture here.
0: Yeah. That, that reminds me that this conversation, uh, well, what do you think it's going to be like this year without, or at the top of the order and without uh, some are all in the middle.
3: It's definitely going to be a lot quieter. (laughs) uh Frankie's always yelling something so it's and he's everybody's favorite player like you ask you ask my mom she she's his favorite player or he's her favorite player and I'm second on the list but uh it's just it's definitely gonna be a lot quieter we're gonna have to rely on some new guys to keep up the energy um but it's definitely gonna be a lot a lot different without him and then Udi Summerall uh He's, he was just kind of, it was kind of hard to just imagine the whole program as a, as a whole without him, he would, he just kind of, he embodied the, the whole place and I lived in them last year and so uh, to have this whole year without him it's been, it's been really weird, those two both were the loudest kids on the team so a lot quieter but it's, I miss them a lot. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And then you said like, you know, a ton of new guys, uh, stepping up this year, it seems like it's a, you know, it's a next man up mentality, but it's kind of speaks volumes to what coach McCormack, you know, instills in you guys. And it's like, you know what, it doesn't matter who who's leaving, who's coming up and, you know, that's get you guys ready. But, um, how do you guys, you know, feel going into, you know, this weekend series against UCF, they're ranked number 24, uh, y'all feel confident, you know, ready to go and, and get it done.
3: Well, I mean, we're, we're real confident, uh, we get slept on in the rankings a lot, so we don't put much stock into that 24 versus our unranked. We think we, we've we got a better team, and we can come, come over there and just beat them and then come back here and beat them again. So we've got a lot of our, – our whole lineup almost basically came back, except for Udi and, uh, mm-hmm. and Francisco. And then the pitching staff is just way deeper this year, so it should be we – sh- we're looking forward to it a lot.
0: No, this is yeah, gonna be a great. So... Oh, are yeah, we gonna say go something, ahead. CJ? Oh, okay. Uh, no. no, I was
2: just saying. I was just saying that, like, when when freshmen come, when freshmen come to campus. I remember when I got to campus. Like, you know what the the word around the campus was? Like, hey, look, football tailgates are nuts. It's a great time, but the, our best team here is, is is FAU baseball, and make sure you go to those games and. I've I've just been going ever since and it is an infectious atmosphere like you said for you know the guys to come back and whatever but just as a fan it's like you know on those bigger games when you get UM to come to town or or like UF up the road at at whatever park that was we went you know those big games where you're playing the bigger names everybody gets up for it it's it's truly it's awesome so uh, I got tickets today for Sunday I tried to get them for Saturday night for the home opener but they were sold out like this so I got me and my family tickets for, for Sunday at one. So we'll all be there and we're excited. Yeah.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, well, we want to thank you, Mitch, for coming on. Uh, we're, we're going to wish you a lot of luck uh, going into this season. Uh, I'll be there on Saturday and Sunday calling uh, for FAUL radio. So uh, hopefully we'll be announcing some good stuff this weekend. Uh, again, thanks for coming on and uh, we'll, we'll hope to have you on soon.
3: Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was nice meeting all right. you guys. Thanks, Mitch.
0: But uh, that's our Super Bowl quick pod here. uh We're going to have the Mitch Hardigan interview on the channel as well. So you guys get two things today. Check out Strictly Baseball. Steve and I just went over a bunch of moves. Spring training started today. Strictly Hockey, we did a few days ago. We'll do it again next week. Strictly Rangers also uploaded this morning. And then we're going to do a Strictly Yankees within the next few days as well. uh So for this edition of Strictly Sports, oh, yeah. And uh, you guys can go check uh, the channel out now on YouTube. I organized it differently. Uh, if you go under playlists on Strictly Sports Productions on YouTube, all five podcasts are separated into playlists. So it's all organized for you guys. You can find all the pods really simply, or you can listen to them individually. You got Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the good stuff. So it's all out there for you guys to listen to. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Strictly Sports P and on Facebook and Instagram at Strictly Sports Productions. For CJ Yuri and Steve Cashin, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you... Next time.